Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Shoes go on your feet. Welcome to the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack, y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Fact Off. It's the Fact Off. Yeah, it's the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we each bring you a random and obscure fact and you, the listeners, can decide on who the winner is. As always, I'm your host, Alex the Fact Machine, and with me as always is the weekday freak, Pat. Hello. (laughs) And Mikey Sands. Hey, I'm glad you welcome our listeners twice, uh, at the top of the show and then right after the theme song. And then also in the theme song, it says, welcome to the Fact Off. Is it too late for me to welcome everyone to the Fact Off? I think people skip ahead to halfway through the uh, theme song, so they miss the first two welcomes. That's true. We're worse than like a Walmart greeter, I'd say. <laughs> That's sure. Also, I thought we all agreed with Pretty Boy Pat that Mike called me before the show. <laughs> did, did he call you Pretty Boy Pat? <laughs> he called me Pretty Boy Pat. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Uh, I've never felt so complimented in my whole life. He always calls, when he's talking about you, he said that Pretty Petty Pat. Yeah, I'm pretty petty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he calls you. But welcome to the fact off. Um, so let's get right to it. Who won last week, Mike? <laughs> he and... this again. Yeah, he, he, lots of welcoming. He realized his I... brain calculated the the amount of welcomes he just did. That's how he uh, said and the winner. Himself. Well, let's <laughs> yeah. get into it then, Mike. Who won uh, last week? I don't know. Uh, this. Pat. He's the winner. Two weeks uh... in a row. I and they call me Mister 2023. It's a very terrible nickname, but I'll take it. Would you like Pretty Boy Pat, the Weekday Freak, or Mister 2023? I'll I'll we'll stick with Weekday Freak. <laughs> I'll say this though, Pat. Every time you win, something bad has to happen to you. <laughs> Every has to define has to. <laughs> Every time you win, an angel loses his wings. Yes. Yeah. So you won. But you had to sacrifice your car. It's true. <laughs> this is like, this is, uh, in December, my personal car cost uh, a ton of money. And then uh, my wife's car was like, oh, I'm not feeling that uh, much love. I want to charge you the exact same amount of money. And that's my life right now. But yep. if you can hear my voice, I'm in a very good mood because I'm on the fact off. And you get to give a victory pact. Victory pact. Cures all ills. Victory. Did you know that in 10 minutes, a hurricane releases more energy than all of the world's nuclear weapons combined? Then why don't we outlaw hurricanes? Yeah, this going to be a bad hurricane. We have to warn people 10 minutes from now. Something also, bad's about to happen, right? Yeah, I'm sure they could like uh, figure it out by doing all the math, but they should really like fire off all the world's nuclear bombs just to see if it's true. Oh, wait, so you're saying... Any you're you're just saying any hurricane well, has this capability. To be like I thought you're saying five. a specific hurricane coming up in ten minutes was about to do this. No, no, <laughs> yeah, that's right. In <laughs> in about ten minutes, no matter you're when you listen, off, yeah, you listen <laughs> you to this five minutes from now or twenty years from now. <laughs> Welcome to the fact of where we tell you how you're gonna die <laughs> in ten minutes. A hurricane is coming. You guys ever try to throw an egg through a wall during a hurricane? I always want to do it. I've only ever seen that on King of the Hill. (laughs) 
It's one of those urban legends. I don't That's think it's true. true. Yeah, well, you could have brought it in on this show, but you chose not to. This is not the urban legend off. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're not gonna like my facts. True. Yeah. I'm gonna have my own side podcast where it's just me talking about urban legends. You're not invited, right. Mike. Well, I'm, speaking I'm, of your own side uh, podcast, Pat. Let's get into Pat's fact, 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 tacular. Fact, 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 tacular. Fact, 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 tacular. Featuring Mike. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to the Pat Factacular featuring Mike's facts. I feel like I ruined this this uh, section of the Factacular. Mike, you you run the podcast, so <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like it. I'm just gonna stick straight to the every day of the week. We're gonna it's gonna turn into this day in history with Mike, but read by Pat. <laughs> and uh, so let's go back to last week, Thursday, January nineteenth. Ooh, yo, Mike was born. January 15th, or January 19th, 1915. So these facts are so long, he can't even curate them anymore. (laughs) German Zeppelins drop bombs on Britain. Okay, keep moving. That fact is... (laughs) Fast forward, January 20th, 2021. Where were you? You have to remember, it's two years ago. When was it, January 20th? January 20th, 2021. I think me and Mike were... Down at the old fishing hole, fishing. That's true, but it's in the history history channel fact calendar. Yep, <laughs> down at the old fishing hole. Uh, no, Kamala Harris is sworn in as vice president. Oh, okay. First female yep. vice president of the United States. That's history. It is history. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh. Uh, over the weekend, January 21st, uh, we had the Chinese... Uh, no, that's the 22nd. Uh, January 21st, 1976, first Concords with commercial passengers take off. Ooh, yeah. the Concorde. Yeah, it broke the sound barrier. The only nice. passenger plane to do so. The innovative Concorde flew well over the sound barrier at 1,350 miles an hour. How come nice. they don't do it more? It's not it costs fun. way too much money to fuel it, lots of maintenance... That sort Phil, of thing. Phil Collins did it to play a concert. It's true. Speaking of famous people, I have a sad fact. On January twenty second, two thousand eight, Heath Ledger dies of an accidental overdose. Oh wow. Two thousand eight. I thought it was longer ago than that. <laughs> I love the dead air of you thinking. I thought it was let's all pause why Alex thinks for thirty seconds. Alex yeah, I guess what I makes Alex think the most is Heath Ledger. And saying welcome to the fact off. It's true. It's true. And think. our final fact. Now, that was a downer, but this one's an upper. January 23rd. <laughs> we love taking uppers. Yep. 1957, Toy Company produces first Frisbees. Ooh. I like they don't put the name in the, fa- like in the title. It just says Toy Company. And the name <laughs> of the Toy Company is the best part. It's Whammo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whammo is awesome. Yeah, I remember so Whammo. Well. Uh, yeah, Mike's kinda... dog is a big fan of the Frisbee. Like yeah, how long my dog frisbee fact is. loves Frisbees. Mike's dog's one of those dogs where Mike can like bend over and then throw it up and it'll jump off his back and catch it. Yeah? I'm not. Yeah. Are you gonna... I like those dogs. I watched the whole uh, special with those dogs the other day. But you can only do it when no one's watching. <laughs> yeah. All right, I don't even know he does it. Yeah. He's that good. I, I have not seen him do it yet. That's true. Wait, he's, don't you have to throw that, the frisbee? He's that fast. Like he gets yeah. gets the frisbee. I don't know how he got up there. I assume he jumped off my back. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All 
<laughs> you need to feel them anything. Guessing things. <laughs> Your wife really walks good... in. There are frisbees everywhere. What happened? <laughs> I assume he jumped off my back. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, Pat, since you won, you also get to decide the order that we go. Wait, we just skipped over the factacular. What was the best fact? What was the worst fact? The frisbee fact? facts, because we learned about Mike's dog and his frisbee habit. It's true. His unhealthy frisbee habit. So, that's our first week of all Mike's facts. And, the, uh, no, I'd say the best fact for me was that Zeppelins are dropping bombs over, over Great Britain. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't think that was cool at all. Like the opposite of cool. Well, everybody was underground. We're like they had a, a vast underground system. They were just down there playing like chess and enjoying their time together. It was like uh, I family do think, time. I do think that's how they all handled it. Yeah, <laughs> they were all down there having fun. Yeah. Well, Pat, get into your victory fact order. My victory fact order. Oh, because I won. I'm so yeah. not used to this. Is this just my show now? Is that yes. what happened? Well, I win. if you win 10 times in a row, Pat, we'll just rename the show to Pat's Fact Off. Ooh, Spectacular. Okay. We all agree. Everyone, virtual shake hands. I agree to this. I'm going to get everyone to vote. I want to tell all my students to vote for me. I can't see what you guys are doing with your hands. <laughs> no, my one hand's up here. I'm not telling you where the other hand is. No, yeah. All right. I'm going to go first. I went last last time, and I won. And I want to give you guys all a chance to win, so I'll go first. My fact today is about Edith Bowling. Ever heard of her? Yes. Yeah? Yes. All right. So <laughs> Edith was born on October 15th, 1872 in Wytheville, Virginia. The daughter of Sally White and Judge Willem Holcomb Bowling, Edith was a direct descendant of Pocahontas on her father's side and was related by blood through marriage to Thomas Jefferson Martha Washington and Letitia, Letitia Tyler. This both, almost sounds fake. How is one person related to that many different famous? There people? was less people back then. Yeah, there so. was that many people back then. You know, it was like twenty people. Yeah, that's so. So we think it's like Star Wars. Ever the universe is so small, like you run into the same people nonstop. It's true, but interesting. Martha Washington, former first lady, and okay. Letitia Tyler, also former first lady. And Thomas Jefferson, his own first lady. That's true. Edith would meet Norman Galt, a partner in a prominent Washington, D.C. silver and jewelry store, and the two would marry in 1896. Tragedy would strike. What? No. I was going to ask, was it a nice wedding? I didn't. They didn't mention the wedding at all. No open bar? No. Flower arrangements? It was on a Tuesday, and it was a (laughs) cash bar. I'm Mm. not going to that wedding. Yeah. And tragedy would strike when Norman died unexpectedly in 1809. At, so, like after the wedding or during the wedding? Or? Well, the wedding was in 1896. Okay, it I was wasn't a, paying attention. Did she, <laughs> it was a 12-year wedding. Did she wedding. kill him? <laughs> uh, what'd you say? She killed him? Yeah. I you can't just that, throw but... accusations out yeah. like that. Yeah. This is a fact of not conspiracy off. Not yet. <laughs> All right. There might be some conspiracies peppered in here. Edith took over the day-to-day operations of the store and would make enough money to routinely travel to Europe. Ooh. Oh. This is just a little back background on Edith. I call Europe America Junior. Yep. She would become friends with Helen Bones. This friendship would lead to a tea party where Edith would meet Helen's cousin and recent widower, 
Woodrow. <laughs> he just became a widower. Widower. His name is Woodrow Bones. Woodrow. No, that was his cousin was Helen Bones. Okay. Oh wait, did I forget where this tea party took place? The White House. <gasps> is it Woodrow Wilson? It was Woodrow Wilson. Whoa. I know. That's my fact. <laughs> she <laughs> had tea with Woodrow Wilson. No, Edith. That's right. She would uh she would really uh wow Woodrow. You know, they would uh start about a month later, he uh, asked her to dinner. And they oh. would discuss serious government issues such as whether to enter World War 1 or not. Wow, so she was that cool. She was she was, she was cool. talking about like guys always love ladies that know about war and like talk talk shop and that sort of stuff. Plus she probably invented bowling with that last name. I'm I'm not 100% it's a, it's positive. It's B O L L N G. So uh, balling. Little known fact: Mike's wife is always trying to talk him into going the going the war. <laughs> yeah, he won't do it. He's such a pacifist. Um. All right. So they met in March of 1915, and they would end up getting married in December 15th, 1915. This is Edith Wilson, first lady of the United States. Did she help with the 14 points? I, I'm sure she came up with at least 12 of them. Okay. So. She is descended of two first ladies, and she herself was a first lady. Wow. You don't, like, hear much about first ladies, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this to light. Well, this one's, this first lady is pretty renowned. So let's get to why my fact is about her. Not just that she met a man and married him. Yeah, that, that right. I was about to say, like, this whole fact is about her meeting a famous to person. Be, to be fair, Pat, you have always said the best thing a woman could do is to marry someone. It's to meet a man, marry, very traditional, nope. white picket you fence. Say, you didn't say that. You just said marry someone. Man, <laughs> yep, I don't feel that's true. All right. So what did Edith do? She was never really into all the, like, the first lady ceremonial stuff. She, apparently she would delegate all that stuff to, like, aides. And uh, she would focus more on the presidential matters. And it's a good thing she did because tragedy would again strike her. In October of 1919, when Woodrow had a stroke. Yeah. Now, he was still president. A stroke of genius. No. <laughs> Just an actual stroke. The same oh. kind. <laughs> this left Woodrow bedridden and partially paralyzed. Now, only uh, Edith and, her two, and his two physicians knew about this. So what they decided to do was to not tell anybody. Not and even... They- that, that would president? not fly nowadays, I don't think. Well, uh, there's no way who knows? Biden could have been having strokes like nonstop for the last two years, for all we yeah. know. And uh, what's it, Jill Biden, right? Is that his wife's name? Uh, and yeah. Trump's been in a perpetual stroke, for, for all we know. <laughs> so Edith would uh, be like a secret go-between. Anything that the Congress ever, they ever wanted to try to talk to the president... She would be. She would like speak for him and say, "I'll go tell him," and then come out with like notes that said, "The president says this. The president says that." So was she technically the first female president? <sighs> that was my big final thing I was gonna say, and he stepped all over it. <laughs> Here you go, Mike. So uh, let's see. So that was in October, and it would finally come out in early 1920 of the following year that it was like a big scandal. They found out that he had a stroke. So they kept it quiet for a whole year. That's pretty. No, they kept um, it quiet for like three months. Oh, three months. Okay. <laughs> but he would still go on to be president until 1921. So 
for the rest of his uh, term, she was a self-proclaimed presidential steward. And everything would be filtered through her. What she said she did was they would give her all the information and she would filter out like, all right, this is important enough for me to take to Woodrow Wilson. Everything else, you know, uh, you know, don't bother us. We don't I, have the time for that. I have a feeling they wouldn't let that kind of fly these, <laughs> these days. Uh-huh. So um, historians have differing opinions of her contributions to the presidency. Phyllis Lee Levin, biographer and author of Edith and Woodrow, ever heard of him? stated that she unintentionally hindered his policies from moving forward because she was, quote, a woman of narrow views and formidable determination. Damn. Taking her down. I mean, the I read, like, a longer... That was, like, one quote I read. But I read, like, a longer, like, uh, synopsis of the book. And it does give her a lot of credit as, like... What it was is they think um, the Treaty of Versailles and the League of Nations, which was a big Woodrow Wilson push, was the League of Nations... But then once they found out about, like, this, like, pretty much everyone sort of backed off supporting it and supporting him because he was so frail that it led to us not actually being a part of the League of Nations. Others have made note that Edith, who would uh, notoriously downplay her involvement because she wanted to, you know, save face for her husband, um, they, they, you know, she would call herself a steward. But in the fact, she was the nation's chief executive officer from October 1919 until he left office in March of 1921, making her essentially, as Mike said, the first female president of the United States. She was CEO? Yep. <laughs> I guess now imagine if Mike didn't say the first the president female president. Is CEO. <laughs> yeah. So my fact is Edith Wilson, first female president of the United States. It's a long fact title. <laughs> I thought it was a good fact. I never heard of her. No, the title was long. I don't know why you're like you're against women presidents. Is that what you're saying? Can I just name it the first <laughs> female president? I guess, but then no one's gonna know it's Edith Wilson. They'll have to listen to the episode. Well, because well, Mike's Mike's fact is contentious because his is this was the real first female president. All right, all right. So that's my fact. Mike went first last week, so we we will reverse order. Alex will go second, and Mike will go last. Okay. <clears throat> Mike. Uh, t- take it away. If he clears his throat on a podcast. What you- <laughs> Welcome to the fact off. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's first day podcasting. Welcome to my fact. Uh, Mike, you like moonshine, right? I do like going own. outside on a dark day and seeing that shine of the moon. Yeah, sure. You know moonshine dates back to the 1700s? Probably, yeah. Yeah, because back then, people still didn't want to pay taxes, and liquor, <laughs> st- was going, uh, liquor sales was starting to be taxed. And Wait, people in the 1700s, there was like a big stink about taxes? Is that Yeah, people didn't want to play with taxes. Yeah. Who would have um, known? So it's called moonshine, because people would make their alcohol in the at light night. of the moon at night, so people couldn't see the smoke coming up from their alcohol uh, production. But they could probably smell it. I don't think darkness. Well, I think if you're far away, like you can see smoke coming before yeah, you can okay. like smell it. Yeah, um, what if you smell it? Then it lifts your body off the ground, and then you follow it floating through the air. Well, it's also like if you smelt it, you dealt it. So then that moonshine would be yours. Uh, that's true. It's uh, three fifths or uh, 
<laughs> what is it? Uh, possession is three-fourths of the law? Yep. Um, so we cut to Prohibition. Mike's favorite time of the year. Oh, the... <laughs> <laughs> favorite time of the year is when they have Prohibition. You know that yep. one day a year they have Prohibition in the United States? Uh, uh, prohibition happened. And so people needed alcohol. So they went to these distilleries, moonshiners, that needed to get the alcohol from. And these drivers... And each distillery had their own driver. Oh, yeah. You're talking um, about the birth of NASCAR. Oh, uh, yeah, Mike. You got there. Man, Mike uh, figures out all the facts before us. So um, so each distillery had a, uh, had drivers. And the drivers had what they would call stock cars. That's regular-looking cars. That's all they were. But inside the car, they had um, reinforced, reinforced shocks and springs. <laughs> okay. Um, so they weren't, the cars weren't bumpy. They usually take out the back seat so they can move, uh, load them up with more alcohol. They had souped up engines so they can outrun cops and all. And they drove and these guys would drive alcohol around and then in their free time they would race each other. And then there was a lot of young guys who liked to drive fast and would race each other and they knew the roads and they were... Have different competitions and things like that, and so then. But, in but 19- when you when you're running from the police, you don't necessarily want to drive in a big oval. <laughs> the cops are like, oh, we'll just wait right here for him to come back around again. <laughs> yeah, but they still won't be able to catch him. They're gonna jump in front of the car. Yeah. Run out of gas eventually. So in 1933, prohibition was eliminated. These guys didn't really have much to do, but the racing still kept on and on. Hey, people race different places, some speedways and all on beaches. Um, the issue was there's a lot of sleazy promoters out there. No. And get these guys to race and then skip town with the prize money. So a lot of guys got screwed over. So enter bar, uh, enter Sir Bill Francis Sr. He was a DC mechanic and racer from, and then he, uh, from D, I was going to say from DC. You think I'll look at my uh, car? Yeah. He moved down to Daytona Beach. And then in, uh, on December 14th, 1947, he organized a meeting between drivers, officials, and promoters at the Steamline Hotel in Daytona. Then they came up with NASCAR. They came up with the rules, a schedule. Um, they what does vote- NASCAR stand for? NASCAR stands for, I wrote it down somewhere, <laughs> the, National, <laughs> the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so when and so they would these all... cars are nothing but stock cars. Like I, I went to the dealership the other day and I bought myself a NASCAR. So when it first started, they had like three different races. The one was like racing cars. The other was okay. stock stock cars, supposed to be cars that were just normal cars. And there was a third one. I forget what it was. But the other two kind of people just didn't like. They liked the stock cars. People because it was. Kind of more like who was the best driver if you're just driving a normal car that wasn't like fixed yeah, up. Like, a, all right, this is the 2004 Honda race. Yeah. Well, like in NASCAR, they do have limitations of what like their cars can do. Yeah, it's yeah, supposed to be. The regulations have changed a lot over the years. Yeah. Like, there's always new rules. Um, yeah, the technology gets better. It used all. to be more about the brands. I feel like like Ford and all those like Chevy they used to be yeah. like really big into like 
putting their names all over. I, I don't think it matters as much now that for like this is a Ford NASCAR. I don't think it matters as much. Well, I was, I was reading one. I was listening to one story. I guess the guy France called like the CEO of like Hudson Cars. He's like, oh, did you hear so and so just want to race down here last uh, last yesterday, racing the Hudson Hudson car? And the guy was like, never heard of this race. He's like, so he's like, he's like, okay, thanks for telling me. He hung up, and he called me back right away. He's like, hey, you should be excited that your car won. You're like, and I was trying to get cars to promote their cars in these races yeah. to go faster. Uh, but the like first brands, race, trying to get brands yeah. to promote it, yeah, yeah, and then get behind. And NASCAR was like one of the first ones that was like really behind advertising. Like the Wait, Winston- they advertise a lot on the cars. Yeah, well, even like the Winston Cup. <laughs> it's a, rev- is a revelation. Thanks for Winston's Cup is a uh, tobacco cigarette company. They yeah, had that for the years. Marlboro car. Yeah, uh, but the first race was in February fifteenth, nineteen forty-eight. It was what it was won by. It was on Daytona Beach, won by Red Baron and a Winston Ford. Red Red and Baron, the pizza company, or Red Baron? Red Baron, is, his last name is B-Y-R-O-N. Wait, the Red Baron that attacks Newby? <laughs> yeah. And then in the first NASCAR race was in on June 19th, 1949, in Charlotte. Jim Roper wins after Glenn Dunaways was disqualified. So uh, as we I had so much money on Dunaway's. Uh, so uh, Dunaway's car was, uh, I think it was a Lincoln. And like the owner of the car like did something with like the uh, axles, like souped it up a little bit. And there's supposed to be a stock car. So he lost. Oh, man. Um, and the owner of the, you cheat in NASCAR? And the owner of the car actually sued... Uh, NASCAR for the race and the uh, judge threw it out and said this was NASCAR ruling kind of giving them the ability to oversee their sport and that is the history of the first NASCAR race or how NASCAR nice. got started my fact is called the star car fact <laughs> really Thanks. usually you're much better at coming up with titles I, was, I tried really hard to come up with Why'd something you call it the stock fact I thought about it, and then people would think it would be, because Mike's fact is going to be about the stock market. I don't want to take away from that. Um, Yeah, I thought it was interesting. It was was like a clear, like, usually with the other sports, it was like, I did football, but there's like kind of like a randomness to it, and like you can't pinpoint when it exactly started. Um, And then that's where you can pinpoint it exactly when they formed. This is uh, Alex's patented post-fact, Maloney. Yeah. Uh, Mike made the smart move of not starting his fact yet, because 10 minutes in, <laughs> Alex is still thinking about his own fact. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that was a great fact that it is. This is why, uh, more reasons why it was so fantastic. Okay, you can go. go. Go ahead with your fact. Mike, your fact is going really fast, much like my NASCAR fact. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... No, uh, what's interesting is that France <laughs> ran NASCAR, and then eventually his son took over. So I, son I really can't was, mute Alex from my side. <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, all this out. Which his son was the original Nepo baby. Oh. That's true. He was the first one. Isn't Jesus the original Nepo baby? Uh, was was Jesus' dad that rich? He just was a carpenter. Rich in spirit. Yeah. His yeah. dad and was truth. God. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, oh yeah. <laughs> also, he didn't get anything out of being oh, yeah, the son of Jesus God. The dad is God. <laughs> I was thinking. Right. I, I, well, I mean, I was thinking his earthly dad, uh, <laughs> Joe or Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was don't just a lowly carpenter. You know, he just had a bunch of wood laying around. Um, have you guys, either of you guys, been out of the country or mainly just in the United States? I've been in the Bahamas and Tijuana. Okay. Bahamas. Well, in your uh, <laughs> in your time abroad, did you guys ever notice that a lot of public restrooms charged for you to use them, like they were pay pay toilets? Um, no, I can't say that I remember that. Okay, well, yeah, I, I gave a guy a bunch of money in the bathroom. <laughs> well, <laughs> he tapped his foot under the stall. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll go past that. Um, <laughs> Hopefully you were too drunk when that happened, but um, yeah, it's pretty common. So I remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you weren't too drunk and you remembered every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's pretty common outside of America to have to pay for public restrooms, like uh, to get into either a stall or into the whole facility. Um, I looked up a couple different countries, but like when I was in Turkey. You had to pay for the public toilets. It was one to two liras to use the toilet in Turkey. Um, I looked it up, and for Paris, France, it's 50 cents or 50 euros and 80 cents for a pack of five tokens. Oh. To you. Yeah. Well, so that's the. Limit? Will it lock you out? Like, if I like to take my time. I, I don't think there's a time. Like, how would it kick you out <laughs> of the toilet when you're in there? It might lock you in. Or like it, ex- it explodes <laughs> forward and you fly yeah, out. Bring you out. <laughs> uh, that seems very. Uh, they well. should charge you, so then you have to pay more to get out, and then you're just trapped in there like a jail. That that would be the uh, good is way. That to your fact? Milk the money. Jail? Yeah. I I know Mike is really good at guessing our facts, but I think can I guess your fact? Yeah, sure. Is this the history of the phrase? Now I sit here brokenhearted, paid to shit, but only farted. <laughs> Whoa, okay, that's my fact, guys. <laughs> I knew it. Now, uh, we're in America, we're used to free restrooms, like as as we stated. Uh, hell yeah, hell I yeah, wherever land I of the free, please. home of the brave. <laughs> What'd you say, Alex? <laughs> I pissed me over the damn well, uh, <laughs> well, please. <laughs> I said you already messed it up, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't always like that in America. <gasps> Yeah, that's is right, guys. About, is this about Thank Johnny you, toilets going around the country sprinkling toilets everywhere? <laughs> they were growing the wild. The toilet seeds, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a no. It's not about that guy. Um, no, we we have to think. <laughs> Mike does not deny that this guy exists. I don't deny. Just... Uh, but we have to thank Dayton, Ohio, <gasps> for our free toilets. And you, Dayton. I, Dayton, Ohio, never comes up really uh, in any sentence unless you're talking about the history of flight. Or now, you can tell your friends Dayton, Ohio, is synonymous with free toilets. I will they tell ha- my friends that they had to get people to come visit somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, four Dayton, Ohio high school students, Michael and Ira Gessel, Steve Freuken, and Natalie Precker. Uh, they all decided to form a committee to end pay toilets in America. This committee formed in 1968. 
Good for this them. Toilets, you know, your people were toilet. Fighting for a lot of equal this rights in that around time. <laughs> These four kids in Dayton, Ohio, who were really fighting the good fight of not wanting to pay the shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a time of like. I have a feeling that if the internet didn't exist, then we'd be still. I mean, if the internet existed back then, we'd be still paying for toilets because kids would be so distracted they wouldn't have time to like cook up these campaigns to stop pay toilets. I don't know. I keep reading all these articles about how Gen Z is going to save us from these evil millennials. That's not happening. Um, so they received national attention in early 1970s when they campaigned to stop the pay toilets uh, nationally. Um, so let's roll it back a little bit. So imagine having to go real bad and you are trying to get into a restroom and you realize that the door to get into the stall, you need to put a dime in and then you have to crawl on the pea soaked floor to use the toilet because you have to go under the door cause you don't have a dime. That Why would suck. Pea soaked. Well, yeah, I just assume that <laughs> most, soaked. not like a little bit of pee, just drenched. In <laughs> yes. Drenched. Soaked yeah. Drenched. Yeah. Well, I mean, most toilets, uh, bathrooms have like pretty disgusting floors. I, w- I would yeah, say, but not yeah. pee soaked. Well, in this analogy, the floor is soaked with pee. The floor pee. is soaked. It's soaked. Just and like the game show, the floor is lava, but it's all pee and like <laughs> it's already up to their ankles. It's yeah, it's so it's basically people are just peeing on the floor at this point. It yeah, because they don't have dimes. They don't have dimes. But it's oh, like no, a fountain. There's people threw dimes in, so you have to like dig around in the water to get the dimes. Is this where the expression "you don't have a piss uh, pot to piss in"? <laughs> yeah, that's no. None of these expressions are a part of my fact. Uh, so legend has it, the Gessels. These are the two brothers that were they, part of this early committee. Mike and Ira. Yes, thank you. They we're, love going to the bathroom. They do. No, they are on a family road trip. When they encountered these paid toilets for the first time in their life, I guess these weren't everywhere back then. It was probably just smattered about the United States. They were on a road trip down the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and they stopped at a Howard Johnson's to eat. And when they went to the restrooms, they found that Howard Johnson's charged for the bathrooms. Oh, see... I thought you meant like at like a park or something. Well, that too. It it was there too, but uh, it was just a sm- like it wasn't everywhere. There was still free restrooms at some places, but it was rare. It was it was not commonplace like we now. No, what I've about never the McDonald's in New York that the Maloney's always go into when we, <laughs> when we drive up. <laughs> but I've never been to a pay toilet in America, so maybe they exist somewhere still. I I don't know. But um, have you ever been to a restaurant that makes you pay before you use the bathroom? Uh, no, I've I've seen only for paying customers only, but I've never uh, been forced to pay. Yeah, I feel like if I buy something from your restaurant or store, I should be able to use the bathroom. Well, you would nice. be right. You you should join Very this insightful. committee. Yeah. <laughs> so the Gessels. The one belief I have in life. <laughs> the Gessel brothers saw this as an attack on human dignity that they had to pay for a toilet and so their life's goal, their young life, they were 19 years old. They, they were young young boys. Um, their life's Would you goal. Say that they were full of piss and vinegar? <laughs> yeah, they were full of piss and vinegar to stop this, uh, yeah, this terribleness. Um, 
So quick formation timeline of how this all came about. So Ira, he penned an article to urge people to ask Congress to ban pay toilets. Freuken printed this article in their Meadowdale High School paper. And then they created the Committee to End Toilets in America. And pay, pay Toilets in America, not End Toilets in America. That would be... <laughs> no more toilets. <laughs> no, no more, more toilets. toilets. So that's how it all started. And then it just kind of became like a grassroots movement from there. So the, one of the first big things they made was a logo. Each, you know, every good committee needs a fantastic logo. So their logo was a toilet with a fist coming out. Holding <laughs> holding a chain, and uh, that was their I'm logo. That toilet. What? So I, I'm not using that toilet. I, well, I, yeah, you probably don't want to use the toilet with the fist holding a chain coming out. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't just start charging more just to the audacity <laughs> to make that your symbol. <laughs> I want to get a patch and like sew that on something. It look the logo looks kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I, can, I think I it's, want to it, get a patch and sew it on something. Well, it's one of those <laughs> movements that started anything. off as like kind of a joke, but then turned into something legitimate, which is kind of cool. Like you, some might say, our podcast is like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're gonna no, turn we, it to. We started uh, legitimate and became a joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At no point were we legitimate. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, and then this group also had a campaign <laughs> anthem called "The Ballad of the Pay Toilet." Oh, are you gonna sing it? I think I should. I should have looked up the lyrics. <laughs> I feel like I'm letting down the podcast. Can you record later? You listen to it and then sing it, and then just sing. It, put it at the end of the <laughs> episode. I have to find the melody and everything. Uh, Alex, I think, is it. looking up the palette of the toilet, the pay toilet. Um, and then somebody wrote the poem "Ode to a Pay Toilet," and it was read at the first meeting of this group. Uh, where did they meet? At the public library. There was 29 people in attendance to their first meeting. Uh, membership dues was just 25 cents, probably about the same cost it would be to use the restroom. And the audacity to charge money to join for a thing where you don't want to charge money. <laughs> They're just trying to get members to spread awareness. Uh, they had 1,800 members from across the whole country. So... At a time when the internet didn't exist, that's pretty good that you were able to spread out that far. I, I think that's even least. good now with the internet. <laughs> yeah, we would we would kill for eighteen hundred. Yeah, we would. Um, and then they also <laughs> had a newsletter. Could you guys guess what their newsletter was called? The P Times. <laughs> no, the Free Toilet Paper. Yeah, nice. Hey, there you go. That's pretty good. And then they also had I will an, sign our petition. <laughs> they also had an award for people who volunteered and who were like exceptional at like uh, getting the word out. And their award was Thomas Crapper Memorial Award. Nice. And that's nice. Uh, obviously an ode to the actual inventor of the fl- uh, flapper flush toilet, Thomas Crapper. His name is Crapper. Yeah. 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 Oh, so that's, that's a mini fact. Taking a crap. Yeah, yeah. That's why we say taking a crap. That should be the whole fact. <laughs> yeah, that um, blew my mind. I'm I just assumed that, that people knew that Thomas Crapper invented the crapper. Can I change my fact? Get rid of this first female president. My fact is the <laughs> Thomas Crapper fact. 
well, I didn't give a lot on him, and there's like a lot of information on Thomas Crapper. So if you want to bring in, I have enough information. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need to go by. Um, and then from there, there was like college campus chapters that started up. So like uh, University of Chicago, Harvard, Kent State University, they all started getting chapters of this uh, committee to end pay Is this toilets. How Facebook started. <laughs> That would be great if uh, that was one of the first groups on Facebook. And uh, what kind of helped them out a little bit was, like you alluded to earlier, the rise of the feminist movement in the 70s. So I didn't really I, I didn't really get into this, but like you didn't have to pay to use urinals. But ladies had to always pay to use the restroom. Ah, urinals were free? Yeah, urinals were free. So you probably saw the lines at the concert, and they're like, "We could make a lot of money if we just charge the women." <laughs> yeah, so uh, well, stalls were back paid then. For. It was probably back then. It was still more of like the trough system. The trough for women? No, for men. Oh yeah, the trough so, like, system for men. About? So it's probably I got, I got keep going. Keep going. All right. <laughs> Who alluded to the women's rights movement in the seventies? <laughs> no one. I did. You said you guys did just like you alluded to earlier. You, you talked to earlier about how there was a bunch of like people in the sixties and seventies who were Ow. like, never mind. You said it. <laughs> like gotta, li- listen I back listen to this podcast. Yeah, listen back to it. You, you usually do, and you'll you'll see I yourself saying something. Um, I'm one of our two listeners. <laughs> you would right. see yourself saying something. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of wrap this up in a neat little bow, um, they had a bunch of little tiny, like, um, they made n- movement, n- not movements, but they made a bunch of little tiny wins across the country, like little towns like that made different laws and such. But their big win was May 1976, Ohio Governor James Rhodes signed the toilet bill into law. And that bill in particular was an equal number of free toilets must exist for every pay toilet. Well, so if you had a place that you owned, you had to have a free toilet for every place... So well, thanks for breaking down the a uh, very simple law that <laughs> no, I no, but like stated. it didn't make sense. You repeated it, but it made more sense. <laughs> but did it like? Because I was trying to think like, well, if this place has a paid toilet, that means we must have a free toilet. Oh yeah, it's not like a, a yeah. one for one for the whole state. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah, because that's what I originally thought. I was like, that's how the police. We caught this on the pay toilet. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, exactly what you're saying. Uh, if you have a, a restaurant and you want to have a pay toilet, you also have to have a free toilet. So why would you even have a pay toilet if you have to, if you have a free one? So essentially, mm-hmm. it negates less, the idea of even having one in the first place. Um, less people use it, it might be cleaner. Well, yeah, I, I actually, to come for full circle... I actually think there should be pay toilets again because I think there'll be more readily available toilets because that's the biggest thing when you're out in public. There's not a lot of public restrooms in this country. I don't. I don't feel like, and I feel like I if think there, there's if, plenty enough. I mentioned that McDonald's in New York. There's plenty enough, but I think if there was pay toilets, there'd be cleaner and there would be more. I just a hypothesis, but then you're then you're like, well, then there's people who wouldn't afford to use them and. That's no whole nother question. I think question. people would be. I think they would be cleaner because I think people would be more mad if they weren't 
clean and you paid for it. Well, uh, usually the the pay toilets have attendance, so there's usually somebody in there to like kind of mo- and and who's gonna make a mess when there's an attendant standing right there like watching you? Um, You're talking to Alex Maloney. Yeah, they call he me. He just throws the garbage man. on the ground and like pick it up. I don't like the attendant. Yeah. So yeah, I can wash my own hands. <laughs> no follow up. No follow up. So <laughs> I don't like it. These uh, laws slowly, you know, expanded across the country, and that's why there's no um, pay toilets really in America thank anymore. You, I'm sure there's somewhere, uh, but we have to thank the committee to end pay toilets in America, a grassroots movement. Uh, thank you, guys and gal. <laughs> Let's take a moment of silence. <laughs> You're so serious. Yeah. Good wrap up, Mike. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's the name of your fact? Uh, my name of my fact is an ode <laughs> to a pay toilet. There you go. That's a pretty crappy fact. Oh, you liked it. No, this is my that's my name for your fact. Oh, thank you. Crappy fact. No, uh, we're gonna have to flush this episode. Nice. <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. Our three facts for tonight. The first female president, Edith Bolding. No, you you edited it out, so it was like shorter. (laughs) I know. The first female president. Edith Wilson. The the stock card fact. Say her name. (laughs) And then the ode to the pay toilet. So go to factoffpodcast.com and vote for which one you think is the best. Uh, Mike will put a link in the uh, show notes that says vote. You just click that. It will take you to the voting page. And rate and review us on all the podcast websites. <laughs> podcast is a hard word to say. It is. And also the link says please vote. We're, we're oh, very sorry. respectful to our listeners. I could just change it to vote. Can you start, can you start putting vote or die? I feel like that's how the only reason I vote. Yeah, it, it votes I'm uh, to dying. protect yourself uh, from venereal diseases. That's true. Prove that it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Mike will be posting more on those sites. And have a great can day. We, wait, before we go, can we get another welcome to the fact off? <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, goodbye from the fact off. Yeah, have a good night and enjoy your time with the fact off. Enjoy the moonshine outside. <laughs> good night, sleep tight, <laughs> and pleasant dreams to you. <laughs>